I may be developing an unhealthy relationship with our new theme music. <laughs> you know, Randy, I am in love with this. This is like the best way to start a show. It changes, like it just changes the whole feeling of this thing. You did an awesome job on this. This is where you say thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I really I didn't, appreciate I didn't it. Compose this or play any of those instruments. I oh, you think. you told me you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I found it hey, on the uh, internet. <laughs> I believed you. Uh, all right, everybody, we're back. It's the Unified CXM Experience. This is part two of our influencer marketing, influencer relations interview with Marshall Kirkpatrick, who is VP of Market Research at Sprinkler. And for the Unified CXM Experience, I am your host, Grad Khan, CXO or Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler. And welcome to the show, and let's get back to it. Do, do you feel like, have we answered the question of like, I need influencer marketing. Why? Um, we we haven't, but typically, like because I heard Grad talk about it on Unified CXM Experience is probably not adequate, although probably sufficient. Uh, but uh, really, like, what what is it? Like, what what would maybe? Is there a way to think about whether or not influencer marketing is a good idea for you, and whether or not you do need it? And if you do like how to think about, and we're kind of going through the steps of how to make it happen right now, yeah. but how do I even know that it's a good idea for me? It, it is so ubiquitous in the marketing world now. And I feel like it is so important for, for anyone taking a product to market to be aware of who the key opinion leaders are in their market and yeah. hopefully be have that uh, be a, a reciprocal uh, awareness that there there's no question on my mind that every brand should consider it. I'd say that the appeal of influencer marketing as a, a flashy way to drive a lot of leads is something that, that so many people are drawn to that most folks who are, are listening to this and thinking about how to do it well are, are going to be doing that because someone has come to them already uh, and said, we need to do some influencer marketing. And hopefully, uh, whoever it was that, that came to them with that request is ready to hear that there is a maturity model, uh, that there is some, uh, some observation and some sophistication uh, that is required in order to do it effectively. Um, but just as likely, uh, someone came to them and said, you know, throw some money around and do something superficial and, and hope that uh, the leads come pouring in. Uh, and then you've got a, another challenge to, uh, to change that mindset. Uh, but I, I think that just about every marketer these days is, is presented with the opportunity uh, to, uh, to come up with an influencer plan. So saying, do I need influencer marketing is a little bit like saying, you know, do I need email? I think so. Yes. Okay. Well said. Gotcha. Okay. Well said. I like that. It's a good answer. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's keep going on. I'm building out my influencer marketing program. So the, the last part around engagement that I think is really important is, uh, is about the importance of, of keeping a steady flow of activity going typically on social media already yourself. If you reach out to someone and there's nothing for them to look back at that you've been publishing the, the day or the week uh, prior, 
uh, or if it's not terribly exciting, then that's a, a more common problem than you might think. I, I love the, uh, the, the wisdom of that, uh, uh, albeit uh, sexist genius, Pablo Picasso, uh, who, who said, uh, you never know when creativity will strike, but it prefers to find you working. And <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know that quote. That's an awesome quote. Yeah, I, I find it really inspiring as well. It prefers and, to find you working. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's so true, actually. Huh. And I, I, I think that that's true also of effective relationship building with influential people. You, you never know when your outreach is going to land well. You never know when an opportunity is going to come up for collaboration, just a real natural, smooth opportunity. You never know when when someone else is doing work that that would just fit in really well with what you're doing. Uh, but they'll come and uh, they'll they'll see your pitch. They'll see your outreach. They'll see your engagement. Uh, and, and some, and if you keep things rolling and keep the engagement frequency high and your activity level high, then, uh, then the, the right people will, they'll find you being interesting and, uh, and they prefer to find you being interesting, uh, so that they can uh, think that it's, uh, it's worth their time to engage. Mm, okay. I love that. That's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I, this is not a quote from anybody, but you know, it potentially is that I'm just <laughs> ripping it off. But I, I've always said that momentum drives momentum. You know, there's a, and, and any action is better than inaction. Uh, so I'm a big fan of just get, just get started, for God's sakes, because that's the hard thing. Uh, and then once you get going, you'll figure it out. You'll make it better. And, and, and so, like, you know, you feel your way into it. I, I think iterative work is always more effective than sort of pondering the universe uh, and then finally trying to do something because you inevitably you're wrong at the beginning. And, and there is actually, uh, this is an actual Napoleon quote. I think this is Napoleon. I'm pretty sure this is Napoleon, uh, which is no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. That, that, that sounds right, right? Like I think that's Napoleon's. And uh, so he would, he would organize things in really simple ways because, you know, you have these elaborate plans, but, you know, once the everyone clashed, you know, all, all hell broke loose, so to speak. And so it really was very hard to predict. And so uh, he actually spent a lot of time on observation of the battlefield to redirect and to think about how to make changes in the battle plan once contact with the enemy was made. And I do think that, you know, as you do things, um, they cause changes in the system. And as you observe things, it causes changes in the system. And it's only by observing those that you're able to kind of keep adjusting to make it really effective. And I, I think that's, a, that's so true of influencer marketing because what you say to them on the initial outreach, uh, which may be well-crafted and well-thought through, uh, may just be completely wrong for what they're thinking. And you'll know because no one responds to you. Agreed. Agreed. But if you can point to something that's already working too and that's uh, already interesting and exciting, uh, whatever that, that may be, especially if you have the good fortune to be working with a, a, a known brand, uh, that's going to increase the, your likelihood of success so much. You know, I, I remember, Greta, I hope you don't mind me telling the story, but I remember uh, someone once asked you in a, a meeting that we were in, they said, uh -oh. you know, 
They said, why? It's a good story of that story. It's a good story. It's a great story. I okay. Love it. Uh, I, My palms have just started so spontaneously sweating. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> so we'll turn the table here. And, uh, who's the, All right. I said something out of a meeting. Okay. I'm always okay. Yes. Right. okay. I'm oh, braced. You, I'm braced. Okay. So, Let me see belt on. I'm ready. <laughs> so one of my, I've, one of my favorite things, I, I, I feel like I've, I want to take a inspiration from this for the rest of my life. Uh, but someone said, uh, grad, why, why don't we X, Y, or Z, or when are we going to, you know, do this or that? And, and you paused for a moment and you said, Oh, the, the train's already leaving the station. Look at what's going on here. We've got this going on and that going on. And a bunch of us are on board and we're, we're taking off. All you've got to do is come and, and jump on board with what's already happening. And the momentum has begun. And it was such a, a an inspiring response. I felt like <laughs> just telling something I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great. Well, what did and, you, what did you like about that? What did you find inspiring about that? Um, it was. Well, in that case, uh, it it was such a, a way to turn a critical question uh, back on the person who was asking it in a in a way that was that that, that called them in, it like brought them into the fold uh, to say, you know, it it kind of said you're you're wrong uh, about this, uh, but we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on you know, come on in with the rest of us. It was, uh, it, it was just a delightful mix of warm and effective. Uh, and the kind mm. of thing that people respond to so well, uh, I think that what John Hagel calls an opportunity-based narrative, everybody, everybody wants to be on a winning team. Yeah, and, true. And so uh, whether it's internal communication or influencer uh, relations and outreach, uh, if you can, if you can reach out and say, uh, Hey, you, you know, us and you know, me, uh, we're working on something really exciting here. Uh, and can we talk about it? Uh, you want to get on the phone and compare notes? That's one of the ways that I like to initiate a lot of well, next level engagements with influencers is to, to not jump straight to the, Hey, can we get married you know, level of communication? Uh, mm. but to say mm. we've been, we've been communicating on social media. Some, uh, we're working on some stuff that I think you'd find really interesting. And I bet you're working on some stuff that you haven't talked about yet either. Do you want to get on the phone and, and compare notes? And people love doing that, uh, especially in, in B2B in my experience. Uh, I like to go first, uh, you know, on those kinds of calls to kind of set the tone for the, the yeah. level of detail and intimacy and disclosure uh, that are appropriate. And then uh, we'll turn it over and, and ask them, uh, tell me about your projects. Oh, you're, you're about to come out with a book. Oh, that's cool. You're about to, uh, you're working on this new topic or theme. I, that's, uh, that's great. And then there's opportunities to do what, what Dan Pink in his book, a whole new mind refers to as symphonic great thinking. Book. He says, symphonic uh, one, thinking, one of the key skills in the future of work is the ability to draw connections between seemingly disconnected things. Nice. And so if you can I get in there synthesizing, and synthesizing, but that's great. Yeah. That's and awesome. mix it up and say, Oh, you know how, what we're doing, what you're doing could be connected in a way that's mutually beneficial. My, and interesting would be like this. And, uh, and most influential people are, are creative, dynamic, 
uh, folks that you show them a, a good project with momentum that they could connect with as well. And, uh, and that's, that's going to be one of the most interesting opportunities that they hear about. Very cool. Okay. Love it. Okay. So where are we right now in our, in our process of thinking about how to roll this thing out? We're, we're into the, uh, into the last stage, which is the collaboration stage. Okay, great. Okay. Let's talk about that. It's always my favorite stage. Well, what is it about that stage that you like so much, Greg? Well, you know, there's, I think the most interesting thing about business, you know, I, I've said, I've probably said this before. You, you're probably going to you know, go roll your eyes when I say this, because you've probably heard this a few times now, but fundamentally humans are social animals and a business I think is a great expression of social connection. Um, you know, cause while we sort of think we need all the things that we build and create every day, we don't really need it. I mean, we could totally live like in the forest and we could forage and we could like live in a mud hut and like, okay, we don't, okay. You know, if you insist, like, <laughs> well, I know you love that, um, but just like, you don't need anything. You know, we're animals. You know, and raccoons don't, you know, have high rises. Um, but, but what makes humans interesting as an animal, <laughs> I know sometimes people freak out when I talk this way because it sounds like I'm describing humans in a third party, like I'm not one and I've had feedback that maybe I'm not, but, uh, but I am human. Uh, at least I, 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 I bleed red at that. I'm not, I'm not bleeding green. Um, but I think what makes humans interesting is that we are extremely social and it's that social nature of humanity that made us effective hunters in you know, sort of the earlier days. And so we could bring down a woolly mammoth with a whole bunch of humans, whereas obviously one human versus woolly mammoth, that's, <laughs> that's a story that's easy to write. Um, 20 humans versus a woolly mammoth, the woolly mammoth's probably not going to make it out of that one alive. So, uh, and we've, you know, progressed now to a stage where we're building these soaring office towers, incredible bridges, you know, beautiful works of art. Like we're doing amazing things, but uh, while we don't technically need it, we do it, I think in large part because it's how we connect to each other. So the reason that collaboration is exciting to me and interesting to me is that you, many of the tasks you've described already um, could be performed in a somewhat solitary way. I mean, there clearly would be better as a team. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of team support stuff that can be built around, especially the identification stuff and, you know, how to build the outreach correctly, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't have to be a team. Whereas that collaboration stage, and, when, and you're going to dig, dig into it more, that's when everyone has to come together. And that is actually... While it is the thing we love to do as humans, it's also a very difficult thing sometimes to do. And when you do it very effectively in an organizational context, it's powerful and exciting. And there's nothing like seeing collaboration light something on fire. It's the most exciting thing in the world, I think. Agreed. Agreed. It, but it is hard. And, and that's why having a, a skilled, experienced practitioner be the one kind of leading the charge makes a big difference in, in early social web days. Uh, there were some folks that, that drew a lot of, uh, comparisons to a, an old practice called tumbling, uh, which is the tumbling or tunneling, uh, tumbling with an M. So it's T U M uh, M uh, two M's E L I N G. 
So it, uh, I know it, that word. Okay, tummeling. Okay. It uh, it comes from uh, it, it's a it's like a, a an ancient uh, Jewish wedding function. Oh, uh, okay, that's cool. Where uh, the uh, the wedding party would hire a tummeler, uh, whose job it was to uh, to come and and get people dancing. Uh, because oh, isn't that interesting? Well, I have a I'm getting married. And it'll be a Jewish wedding, so I should hire a tumbler. I I think it. Could, I didn't know that was a thing. It could really serve you well. So the other I'm context. Lay that on my fiance tonight. I'll say, you know, we thought through the tumbler strategy here. <laughs> exactly. I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> Invitations, <laughs> cake. Uh, but where's the tumbler? In all where's of the tumbler, it? it's the most important thing. <laughs> so uh, so tumbling. Uh, again resurfaced in like 1930s 1940s uh eastern seaboard uh, resort culture where uh the musicians and the comedians uh, kind of like the marvelous miss Maisel, uh if people oh, have seen that I'm show. watching that right now i've been holding off on season three season four is about to come out and i kind of missed season three when it came out i was i don't know was busy i don't know what was going on but i i couldn't really watch it and so i just i've held and now season four is announced to come out soon. So now I'm I'm like rapidly pacing my way through season three, which is uh, incredible, incredible. So yeah, I'm great. all over that. Great Lizzie show, Hazel, my hero. Yeah. So so people in that function, whether they're musicians or comedians, uh, many times would be hired with the understanding that they would be in charge of providing entertainment at night on stage, but during the day. They would be hanging around the card room and the side of the pool, uh, acting as a social lubricant and saying, oh, interesting. Grad, it, that's really interesting what you do for a living. Have you ever met uh, Randy? Uh, he was just telling me the other day about something similar. We got to get the two of you together. And yeah, yeah. it was their cool. job to facilitate uh, relationships. And, and now in social media, there's a huge opportunity to do that online at scale. And, uh, and, and I'm of the belief that that's a really good way to lay the foundation for engagement and collaboration uh, with influencers, uh, to be actively building connections between people and people in your brand and just cultivating a positive atmosphere, at which point it, uh, it, it becomes a much easier lift to say, hey, let's do something together. Let's make some content. Let's... Let's uh, come to my event. Let's uh, let's do a webinar uh, because Very everybody's cool. just already uh, uh, they they want to dance and uh, yeah, and, yeah. and you get it rolling. And so those are sort of the uh, in one way the observe, orient, decide, act uh, model too is one where it, when we're early in influencer marketing, a lot of people presume that the deciding is really important and that the acting is where most of the time and resources are going to go in. But mm -hmm. generally in, in an OODA loop, the Air Force recommends too that you invest most of your energy in observe and orient. And oh, if, interesting. Okay. If you, spend, if you spend enough time and do a good enough job knowing the landscape and thinking about how your strengths can connect to the, the people in that landscape and, and cultivating relationships and what have you, then the decide and act part uh, become much, much easier. So you, then you go, you create content together, you do something together. And, uh, and the last thing in this model that, that I would share 
is um, is another perhaps counterintuitive sort of of thing, but something that that Forrester uh, points out a couple of years ago. Uh, they said that the savviest brands in the world now, after a few years of influencer marketing, have realized that it is early in the, the maturity curve of influencer marketing that we presume influencers are going to bring all the reach. If we, oh, if only we could pay this person to say our name, then right, right. The, the cash would start flowing in. Uh, and, and there's certainly some in some markets that, that can work that way, but misalignment with brand and influencer will break it and what have you. And the algorithms, uh, on social platforms too, are, are such that the savviest brands in the world, Forrester says now know, uh, that they should not rely on influencers for reach. They should look to those influencers for world-class content that can break through the mm. noise and that the brand then amplifies with paid media. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I get so, that makes sense. That's that's a smart redirect on that one. I like that. Do you have this? Uh, do you have like a just written down? Not, not written down, but like, do you have like a diagram on this OODA loop, or do you? What, what, do you have any like assets on this you could send to Randy? Because we're gonna we'll post the podcast on the website and uh, on the blog and it would be nice to have some of these uh, kind of accompanying diagrams. Uh, yeah, I, I have, uh, I've made some diagrams and tweeted them out, you know, over the right, years, okay. especially when, even when if I'm... it's just hand drawn, it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. You I sent us a, a, like a load of tweets. Well, I will do, you know, a, a big part, uh, I, I don't have, uh, a, a static, uh, strategy or even a playbook a, a lot of it is up in my head and i and i refresh it every time uh i refresh my influencer lists every time i refresh and and iterate on the strategy each time and that's that's what keeps it fresh and authentic too interesting you know actually speaking of tweets i was actually i did a presentation in boston about a month ago a month and a bit ago and i was you know this person i can't remember his name right now he was another influencer and his whole speech was just a set of tweets that he'd done. Did you remember who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Evan Christel. Right. It was awesome too. He did a great, he did a fantastic job. Better than great. It was fantastic. I loved it. But it was, what was so fascinating about it is that about three slides in, you think, Hey, wait a second. He's just showing tweets that he's done. Like <laughs> with his slide deck. <laughs> it was just kinda... And then I did this tweet and the tweets all, you know, he, he had a narrative that he drew between the tweets, but the, it was, it was so fascinating. I'd never seen that before. It was great. And, and uh, it basically takes the content that he generates on Twitter and then, you know, slaps that into a deck and can stand up in front of a crowd anywhere. Brilliant. He may be, may have been showing his most successful tweets on that. He may have tested out concepts right. just like right. a comedian will, will uh, write a lot of jokes that they play uh, right. in small stages, see what gets the most laughter and then put just those hits together into a show to play Madison square garden. And everyone thinks, Oh my goodness, every joke is hilarious. Uh, but it's, it's because they were, they iterated on a, on a smaller stage. Yeah, and Miss Maisel, the episode I just saw, she's she's going to be opening for a music act, Shy Baldwin, and uh, which I think is just theoretical. I don't think that's a real one. 
uh, and she's testing out some material prior to opening in Vegas for him. She's going to be his opening act, and it'll be like a thousand people in Vegas. And so she's in this small comedy club where she got her start, and she's trying out material. And she has, and it's great because it's uh, because it's a show. You know, they can have the audience react any way they want. So they want to show her bombing, right? Although I thought the jokes were really funny. And one joke was. Uh, she said, you know, I've been traveling a lot. And uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. When you travel, you often, you know, sort of forget about the things that you don't sort of spend a lot of time with. And, uh, and you don't think about them anymore. You know, like your children. Oh. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh-huh. Anyway, and then, like, the audience is dead silent, right? <laughs> oh. Like, hmm. <laughs> the air conditioner, that's it or something. <laughs> and, then, and then the second one was... Uh, and she goes, uh, or she goes, uh, airlines. And this is like this is like a ni- late 1950s, early. Oh, it's like 1960, I think. And so she's, uh, so she's. It was actually a very funny show. There's another really great line in it too. So she said, um, uh, airlines are always complaining about kids on the plane, and you know people don't like having kids on the airplane because they're you know noisy, making noise, and you know people are always like complaining about kids on the plane. She goes, if if that's true, like if airlines really don't want kids on the airplane, then why do they make those little tiny kid-sized bottles of booze for them? <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, that's, that, those are great. <laughs> Again, but, total, like the crowd's just looking at her like, mm-hmm. uh, and, then, uh, and then, and then there's another line in this. The show was like full of jokes. There's another one which was um, her father, uh, he's been arrested and now he's working with all these like, you know, communists like not communists but like you know they're like it was red scare era type stuff uh, well, no no communist is not quite right it's like it's like all these kids who actually are communists but it's all about you know they're all um, you know protesters and revolutionaries and they're singing the internationale internationale and all this kind of stuff and uh and it's uh and 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 they <laughs> and he's Oh man, I actually forgot the joke. I got, I got into describing the scene so much. It'll come to me a second. I got another kid joke, and I'll do this one. So, the, and then another kid joke was um, it's a different comedian, but it was same. I thought it was another funny kid joke. She goes, uh, she's a super young-looking comedian, very young, very very attractive. Um, looks like she's like twenty-five, you know, maybe. Uh, definitely looks like twenties, early twenties, mid twenties at the most, right? She's not. She's actually quite a bit older than that. But she just has this really young look, and she's gorgeous. And she says, you know, I have four children. And as soon as she says that, you think, wow, really? Because you find yourself thinking to yourself, wow, she looks, like, great for having four kids and really young to have four kids. It's just, like, it's a spontaneous thought when she says, I have four children. And she says, I often get the question, um, did, uh, were they, uh, I often get the question, were they adopted? I often get the question, were they adopted? And which, again, I'm deconstructing this a little bit, so it won't be quite as funny because I'm doing that that way, but I'm also not her, so, and I'm also you know, kind of mostly not in video for most people listening to this. And she says, um, and so when she says that, you think to yourself, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that's why she's so young and has four children, because she adopted them. That makes sense, right? So you're kind of, the, the thing about what makes a joke work is the surprise of it, right? And then her answer to that question, so she says, when people ask her, if her children were adopted, she goes, um, 
Ah, uh, she put it. She goes, it was so well done. Uh, she goes, she says, uh, no, uh, we tried, but they were too old. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, so going back to internationality crowd. So the joke on that one, which was super fun, is they were coming up with the name of their broadsheet. They're going to do a revolutionary broadsheet and publish it. And Abe, who's um, Miriam's father on Mrs. Maisel, Miriam Maisel. Uh, so Abe is, you know, sort of professor at Columbia, just got dismissed. And so, but he's like looking for his new thing and he's trying to connect with these kids who are eating him out of house and home. And they come up with two suggested titles for the broadsheet. One is, it's all about the jive. And the other title is, it's the 60s, man. Those are the two broadsheet titles they're proposing. Uh, and, and Abe goes, oh, those are great titles. They're timeless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I loved it because it's like, oh, my gosh, like what was less timeless than it's, it's all about man. the jive oh. or it's the 60s, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So people Ooh, how say. How do we get on that? We're, well, why were we talking, talking about, about, about Maisel, jokes. You said Mrs. Maisel and I went off in this terror telling jokes. <laughs> well, and, and it, <laughs> comedy is a lot like influencer relations or vice versa, you know? Uh, people, okay. Oh, let's go with that for a second. People say. Let's build that one out. <laughs> if you, people, people sometimes say, if you want quality, go for quantity. Like, oh, Interesting. Take a lot okay. of shots yeah, on right. goal, like uh, right, instead of right, just right. stressing out about your one big shot, you know, your one yeah, big outreach yeah. to somebody, chances are it's going to look like someone who hasn't been out there in the mix. If instead you can do something that uh, my, I, I once took a singing workshop from a wonderful uh, New Yorker who traveled around the country uh, teaching people to sing. Uh, and he said, lower the stakes. When you get up to sing, just lower the stakes and it's going to be uh, all the easier to do. And the same is true with influencer relations. You want to just be out there mixing it up, making contact uh, with great frequency uh, and lower. The, no single communication is going to make or break the, the whole thing. Just lower the stakes for them. And before you know it, uh, your exciting project that you're just happened to you're just reaching out to friends uh, about people will someone's going to bite and uh, and you're going to be able to collaborate hopefully do something really great together but don't shoot one shot take a piece of content break it up into multiple different formats just like evan Cursell did in that story that you told uh and then take whatever content worked best, just like whatever joke was the funniest, and invest more in it, amplify it with paid. And so many of those those entertainer and communication skills that have been honed for for centuries in other contexts would serve us really well to be applied here in influencer marketing, influencer relations today. Very cool. Well, I like the way you did that. That was awesome. I think that might even be a good wrap up. So, so are we, how do we, how do you feel on this? If, you know, is there anything else that the audience should know or think about in the area of influencer marketing? Do you feel like well, the one drain the pond on this one or uh, do we, do we have anything else we want well, to do? There is a, there's a doorknob about? topic, if you will. Doorknob topic. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is like uh, the Columbo as I like, just one more question kind of thing. <laughs> it's, it's something to, 
to say on on, on the way out the door. Uh, and, like that. and that is that uh, there's a big opportunity uh, for those of us doing influencer marketing, influencer relations today to to hop on board the the shift towards values oriented consumers. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the United States, it's especially young people. Uh, in Europe, it's not just young people; it's people of all ages uh, are are making decisions based on the 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 impact that brands have on the world, uh, and uh, and they're making purchasing decisions uh, that are, are really informed by by their values. And uh, influencer marketing, by default, often ends up going back to the same people time and time again. And in many industries, not in all, but in many, including in tech, uh, the the usual suspects are the usual suspects. Uh, you uh, you line up a bunch of of uh, influencers that you might want to connect with, and they will be disproportionately um, white and male. Mm. And there is a big opportunity to go beyond those usual suspects and bring in additional new voices. Uh, who are are changing the demographics of the of the workplace, uh, and who can bring perspectives that can really speak to the values oriented consumer. And so, uh, what I recommend is that people in the observe and orient stage invest in building out some listening channels specifically to people of color and women uh, in their industries. Uh, go out of your way to uh, deliberately build out your reading list to include those voices. Uh, listen to, this is presuming that uh, and maybe you are, as you're listening to this, maybe you're a, a woman of color uh, or, uh, you know, those are, uh, that, that's your own demographic group. Uh, but most uh, influencer algorithms, and if you just look at who's already popular today in many industries, uh, that, that won't be who you pick up. Uh, but building out a deliberate uh, reading list, uh, bringing in uh, perspectives outside of traditional dominant perspectives uh, will be super helpful. And then when you make your list of people that you want to engage with, uh, stop halfway and ask yourself, what does this list of people look like? What, what are the, the lived experiences of these people? Uh, and in, in many cases, it, it can be good to then say, you know what, we need to be uh, deliberate about uh, who we, let, let's add some folks that, uh, that come from outside of the usual suspects uh, to make sure that we've got a, a good, well-rounded, diverse set of perspectives. Uh, that'll, that'll improve the relevance of your content and your marketing. Uh, it's gonna help it land more effectively uh, and it's gonna make it more relatable uh, to to all the people that you want to reach out. Yeah, that, that, sorry, that's and, a great point. Yeah, how do you see it fitting into like ESG programs? Um, maybe define that real quick, like you know, just so people not. I think most people know what ESG is now, but let's just define that really yeah, fast. Yeah, it's for an acronym for environment, uh, environmental, social, and governance. Uh, meaning uh, the impact that your organization has on the environment. Uh, on social power dynamics like gender, race, sexuality, uh, and governance uh, around like the, the ethics and the, uh, 
and the operational justice and, uh, of the organization and, and engaging with it? You know, that's a really good question, Greg. I was speaking to someone uh, the other day that had just joined a, a company and she said that the uh, the company's uh, ESG initiatives were not what she was going to work on directly, but they were really important to her decision to to join the company. And I said, uh, but how did the company position themselves around that? And uh, and she said, you know, my uh, my would be uh, the hiring manager that was interviewing me not only referenced that they had a working group on women in the workplace and diversity in the workplace, uh, but that person uh, knew all of the specific initiatives that that group, that those groups were working on. Hmm. They, they could demonstrate cool. some, yeah. uh, some, an authentic connection there. And so when reaching out, if, you know, when you get on the phone with influencers to exchange briefings, uh, and if you're reaching out to, uh, to a diverse set of people, uh, if you're able to reference credibly and meaningfully and genuinely uh, some good work uh, along those lines, that uh, that may make all the difference in your ability to uh, to build those new connections and, and collaborate with a diverse set of influencers. Very cool. That is a great doorknob topic. I love that. That's Thanks. awesome. Okay. Well, Marshall, this has been really fun. We went a little longer than I expected. This will probably be a two-parter. I'll have to record an in and out on this one, but uh, well worth it. I, I feel like this is a great chapter on influencer marketing and people will be well served by uh, following this advice. Um, and maybe we'll do a follow-up. Uh, I would love to drill into some of the things that we're doing at Sprinkler and some examples there. And, you know, we can kind of, you know, keep following it and keep looking at how that works. And of course, you know, you can use Sprinkler for influencer marketing with an influencer marketing module that's in Sprinkler. So as part of the unified CXM platform. Yep. I just used it yesterday. Just used it yesterday. Fantastic. For that's the thing you're slacking me right now, probably. Uh, so that, that's a, you know, just a, sometimes these tools are separate, but they're a lot more effective when they're connected to the content marketing platform. So you can use the content that exists in the, in the enterprise and all the social listening, uh, all the social media management, you know, all that kind of stuff. If it's all one package and one parcel, then you're going to have a much more effective program. So uh, check it out. Sprinkler influencer marketing. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to wrap anything, any last words, Marshall, anything else you want to add before I, uh, kind of call us out on this one. It's been such a pleasure. Grad. Thanks so much for, for having me on oh. here. I, I just, I enjoy working with you so much and, and what a fun thing to do together here. Congrats on oh, all the momentum you've built on the show. This train has left the station. It is yeah. time to get on board, folks. Um, you know, you know, one thing we, I didn't mention this at the top, but you, you did a show called Coffee Club for a while. I'm going to say two years. Am I, am I right about that? Yep. Yep. Two years? Yep. Yeah. Timeless, years. truly timeless content. Uh, when... Well, really, and and you did you did like big shows, uh, guests every time, uh, on video, and you had some amazing guests. And Coffee Club still is available. I think it's yep it's up on our YouTube uh, station, up on our YouTube channel. So so if you want more of Marshall, and who doesn't want more Marshall, uh, check it out. 
Coffee Club, Sprinkler Coffee Club. Uh, I loved that series. And uh, I may actually start to extract some of those shows uh, into the Unified CXM experience uh, so that uh, we don't have to work as hard. <laughs> well, you build uh, relationships and you create so content, yeah. and then you don't yeah. have to work as hard, and you make it look yeah. easy. You make it look easy. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Um, all right. Well, thank you very, very much for the time. Sorry we went over, but um, I think the next meeting is our meeting anyway, so we'll just kind of keep that ball rolling. And what I'm going to do is uh, wrap now. Thank you, Marshall, for the time. Marshall, VP of Market Research at Sprinkler, has been our guest today talking about influencer marketing or influencer relations, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, this has been the Unified CXM Experience. Um, for the Unified CXM Experience, I'm your host, Grad Khan, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler. And we are going to see you next time. Thank you.